This episode of Blueshirts Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash Breakaway today to support the show price of a coffee, get ad-free BSBs, get BSBOTs, get access to the Discord, and more. You know the spiel. It's not your first episode. Last week might have been, but this one, definitely not your first. Today we have Vince Mercogliano of Low HUD. He covers the Rangers. He's a beat writer. You might have heard me reference him 17,000 times on this show over the past couple years. Good friend of the show. Talk a lot about the deadline, about what to look for moving forward, and more. But first, Greg and I talk about Rangers hockey, as we know it. Here's Mark Messier. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Blue Shirts Breakaway fans, welcome. Turn to look at the Butcher Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, I believe we podcasted for 17 hours last week. Give or take. I think that was pretty good. Give uh, or take. Thanks, everybody, for making it our number one listened episode over the year. Thanks for Emily Kaplan. And uh, and thanks knowing that Vince will never, as a guest, be our number one listened episode. That's great. So happy to have <laughs> well, Vince on today. you don't ever say never. That's Come true. That's true. Happy to have Vince on today. All right, uh, where do we even start? The Rangers suck, they're bad, this team needs to fold. Should they be selling next year or this summer? Where do you want to start? I think we need to start with Emmanuel quickly because I think people are forgetting about the yin and the yang that exists at MSG. And if Emmanuel quickly is going to do shit like he did against the Boston Celtics, again, a weekend in which the Rangers get just pasted by the Bruins. Bro, my bastard. Emmanuel Emmanuel quickly shows up and says I'm going to play 55 fucking minutes without Jalen Brunson I'm going to make this team my goddamn bitch and good for quickly and good for MSG the Wicks the Knicks have have won um I believe I want to quote the Knicks well nine of them things is what they say nine of them did you see the departed graphic they made or no i shouldn't say graphic video the graphics team on the next wall is excellent unbelievable i've loved it. we're gonna ha- the, we're gonna be doing some stuff with them soon but i just those guys let me tell you they are they're the best of the best cream of the crop anyway the rangers get absolutely i don't want to no, know you know i take you it said, back you said lambasted i take it back the first two periods i thought they played well against the Bruins. They, they played fine. I think and, fine's fair. Until the Bruins decided, we've had enough of you peons. <laughs> and uh, just decided to turn it on, and that was kind of it. The, the, the power play, which we'll end up talking about with Vince later in this show, um, definitely needs some help, because I mm. think that's the big story of this week, is the power play hasn't been able to get going. Mika Zavinajad gets taken out of his office, uh, which, again, you'll hear later that Vince has some good theories on that. But to me, it's like, can I, can I be a little drama, a little messy? Just a little messy. Please. I mean, you can be whatever you want to be. Oh, thank you. I appreciate, right. appreciate that. Uh, I'm Listen, they have zero time to practice with Patrick Kane. He has not had the time to skate with these players. He has not had the time to learn the system, to do any of that. But I just wonder, just wonder, out loud, I hope that he understands that, like, hey, for the first time in his life, it's not his team. And mm. that's fine. It's just not. It's just not the team that runs through him. The team has always kind of done that as a Blackhawk. He's been the focal point of everything the Blackhawks do for many, many, many years. And I just I just hope he can fit in seamlessly the way Tarasenko has already started to do. Uh, because, well, again, just, they need to practice. Again, two fucking games, man. They need to practice. I'm I just, just saying. I want to... 
I don't feel like I'm this way with other teams I follow, but maybe I am. Um, you are not. Sometimes you are me with the Mets. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not talking about what you just said. I, this was a oh. lead into the point I was going to make. Sorry, my apologies. I just wonder if our blinders have become too big with the National Hockey League. Would you be surprised, Ryan, if I told you right now that the Tampa Bay Lightning have lost five in a row in eight of their last ten? Yes. Like, that would shock you. That would shock me. Is that true? That is true. Wow. Like, I just, I wonder sometimes if, like, again, this doesn't excuse the way the Rangers have played recently. They won seven in a row, and what are they now? Lost six of eight, give or take. They've Uh, lost five. What? It feels like the last five games playing under man, but I think it's actually only the last four. It's six, actually. But, (laughs) but, but I just, like, (laughs) I I do wonder if, I just, you got to wonder if we're all. Something about this year specifically has felt like every game has to be a referendum. And I I, I don't like it. I, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we got here. It's again, I I'm not excusing the fact that the Rangers lost four to one to the Boston Bruins, but No, I actually am excusing them. Like they didn't have Ryan Lindgren or Keandre but Miller. But again, it's not just that they don't have Ryan Lindgren, Keandre Miller, or Mott. Tyler Mott for that game. It's that they're trying to work in they're not just trying to work in Kane. He's the most recent, but like they're still trying to work in Mikola. And Mikola is now not only not playing fully with the guy he's supposed to be playing with Braden Schneider, but he's getting yanked around the lineup because they've been down so many defensemen that he's not finding any chemistry or rhythm or routine himself. And it's great that Tarasenko seemingly took the Kane rumors personally and has turned his game on, which I love. I love when there's basic pitch drama that isn't actually drama, but it just feels like there's drama. That's my favorite kind. When, like, you can't tell me that Francisco Lindor didn't start playing better because he got angry at Jeff McNeil. I'm sure they are best of friends, and I know one of them bought the car for the other guy. But that's just like... The shit I eat up that I enjoy that I can make stupid narratives out of. So I like that Tarasenko is looking more comfortable playing better. Honestly, probably was one of one of if not the best Ranger over the last two games. But like the next time we see the Rangers play with a full eighteen, will be the first time we've seen it in two weeks. Yeah, and I think they're going to stomp the Canadians. When... Yeah, right, because the Canadians are not just not bad, they're bad, but they're also hurt. They want to lose. Yeah, so They are looking forward like, please, to it. Please score these goals. Get right. This is a big get right game on Thursday. Uh, and the Rangers could not have picked a better time to get right. Which yeah, is this... but I, my, my point being there, it's just like I was listening to 32 Thoughts and they were talking about the lightning being on this slide. I was like, what do they mean the lightning are on this slide? What are they, the hell are they talking about? And I just literally looked at their last 10 and they're, they've They've won twice in the last. Did you last like 10 that games. Cooper benched like all his stars in the third period of that game? Are uh, you, you pro that move? When uh, it, uh, yes and no. Um, I, I always admire a coach who is willing to make players feel accountable for their performance on a nightly basis. Um, I don't know. I just it's hard to sell me on a narrative in which you aren't playing your best players and that's going to somehow be better for you in the long run. You know what I mean? I guess it was just like hashtag send a message. Like yeah. What, what, what Galant does to the kids, but actually to the vets this time. Right. It, it It's definitely Cooper being like, I don't care who you are. You need to play to a stand of hockey. I like, and when there's a true meritocracy and that actually happens, I tip my cap and say, okay, fine. I might not agree with it, but at least 
you are sticking to your principles any way you slice it. Um, do I think the Rangers will ever do something like that? Absolutely not. I, I don't know. It's tough. I, I also like, it's, it's one way to say you're sending a message and you know, sometimes your team's getting completely shithoused and you take your guys out in the seventh inning because why risk it late in the game? And they already they're dealing yeah, with that's actually a, head, a great point. They're dealing with a headman injury. Like it's it's I think it's very convenient for Cooper to go up there and just say, you know, I wanted to send a message. Where Cooper is definitely a smart enough guy and has enough of a lawyer background to also be like, the truth here is I didn't want my stars getting hurt in a game we couldn't win. But I'm going to tell you that it was a message. That's actually great messaging. I didn't even consider that narrative. And boy, that's good. And that's yep, one of well, the smartest things I've seen a coach do. Yeah, I, listen, <laughs> get me behind a bench. I will I will lie through my ass the entire fucking time and say, I sat Patrick Kane down because I needed to send a message when really it's like, I have hey, no buddy, point in risking Patrick Kane's health right now. Maybe we do one practice? Yeah. Um, so since we last spoke, and since Emily was last in the game, the Rangers had beaten the Flyers in overtime with the Vlad Tarasenko goal, which was sort of the Vlad game where he was, uh, I believe, at three points out of, out of his mind. The Rangers for the most part, kind of didn't play that game. No, then, I, I think it says more about the Flyers not being able, because again, that game specifically um, was what? Five defensemen, that's it? Yep. And Kane didn't play? So it was five defensemen and God. no Kane? I, I, you know what? I, I wanted to keep going through the schedule real quick uh, and just say, like, Senators beat the hell out of the Rangers. The only Rangers were up 3-2. Vlad Tarasenko scored what is an all-time goal. Mm. And then the, the Bruins did the Bruins things. But I saw a lot of people talking about Mikola... Who, who nobody, by the way, can pronounce his name. It's awesome. Um, so I'm not alone in that one. But it was like, hey, this guy kind of stinks at defending. Get him out of here. He's not a number one left-wing defender. Like left, he's just Left-handed, you mean? Sorry. Because now right. people are going to get angry at you for calling it a wing. I get it. I get it. Sorry. Left-handed. Uh, like he's not a, he's not a left-handed defender in that in that situation. That's a, but he's being forced to play number one minute left-handed yeah. defenseman against the Bruins and I, other, <laughs> other good teams. Yeah, and... It, First of all, the Senators are red hot, too. I Again, talking about... Were you, uh, speaking of not having your pulse, were you shocked when Joe and Sam were like, hey, they have the fourth best power play in the league? In no, the league? not really. It's a really good team. We talked about them in the summer being probably the most improved team. We we thought they still had work to do, and all they did was go out and get Jacob Chikrin. But this is a team that traded for Alex Debrinkat, signed Claude Giroux. They still have Stutzla. They still have Brady Kachuk who is taking a very clear leap forward. Shane Pinto's a really good player. Like, this is a really young, really good team, and they're just catching fire. And, you know, when you're a young team going into someone else's building on deadline day after your team also, by the way, made a huge fucking swing that shows that they not just trust you but expect you to do big things, it's very easy to look at it from the Rangers' side and be like, oh, well, they they should have had all this juice from Patrick Kane, but it – it's almost doing a disservice not to look at it from the senator's side and be like, not not to mention the Derek Brassard of it, where that entire locker room adores Brassard. It's his 1,000th game in a building where he probably had his best moments at a pro. Like, that that game meant a shitload for Ottawa. So it's it's very easy sometimes to get blinded by what, you know, you become the movie star and everybody else is just an extra in your movie. And I think sometimes as fans, it's we're watching a Ranger movie and we consider the other 31 teams extras. But, you know, the Senators are their own Hollywood production. And they have 
their own storylines and their own play. And once again, the Rangers, they win in the game short. They lose Mott for the game. They're on a back-to-back in which they just played an overtime game on the road, shorthanded. And to your point about Mikola, it's not just that he's playing. It's like Mikola is not – we're not doing him a disservice or, or calling him bad by saying he's not a top-pairing defenseman. It's not what he was brought in here to do. We kept saying if there were injuries, the Rangers would lean on one of Lindgren or Miller first. And it's like, by the way, those are the two guys out. They're gone. So, so, yeah, they're gone. So it's not just that – It's not. It's, it'd be one thing if the Rangers were just like running out Mikola, Harper, and Hayek. But like it was just Mikola. They had right-handed defensemen and then one left-handed defenseman. And if everyone wants to shit on Mikola because he is literally trying to swim in shark-infested waters, I, I, I can't do it. And, he and is not. Know, I thought he was fine a lot of the time. Yeah, but he's just he's, circumstance. He's not supposed to be playing with Adam Fox, and he's not supposed to be getting that difficult of defensive matchups. Now, obviously, things will happen during a hockey game where Schneider and Mikola will end up on the ice against the team's higher lines. That's just the way the game goes. But it's not the game plan. When you have to game plan, when Mikola is your bet, not again, not just your best bet against your opponent's best players on the left hand side. But truthfully, your only bet, like, what do you want? Like, what, what, what do you want the man to do? You want him to fucking cure polio again? I yeah, I have no idea. It's it's a situation where I think he's made the best of it, and really, the next twenty some games are the Rangers need to get it all together. We saw how good this team can be. They need to gel in three to four. Well, I don't count Tyler Mott as gelling in. He gets it. He's he's here for the reason. But to just, it seems like Tarasenko has made that that move. Mikula is going to need to get that, get back to his third line self. And then once you bring Kane into this mix and then things get clicking, like what would you say if I told you right now over the last final 20 games, what do you think the Rangers record is going to be? I think like 14 and six. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, how many of these games are the Rangers playing with a full 12 forward group? Because again, it's not even that I don't need the line of VC Goodrow and Mott to be, you know, number one in terms of chemistry. But what I need is 12 healthy forwards. So we're not double shifting certain players and other guys are taking shifts on lines with line mates. They're not usually out there with like, I simply just need cohesion and consistency like that, that to me, I don't care about wins and losses as much as I care about just rostering a full roster. And I have no idea when that's going to happen because we have no idea how hurt Tyler Mott is. But it, I'll, I'll tell you this, Ryan. If Mott is actually concussed and he's in protocol, which would make a whole lot of sense considering the hit, you just have to long-term IR him and call someone up. Just not even... Like, I don't think Will Cooley's better than Tyler Mott or whoever the Rangers could afford. Like, if it's Anton Bleed, who they just traded for. Call just a body up and play your fourth line like you would normally so your top nine can play like they should be normally and not have to worry about jumping down, jumping up, moving around, double shifting. Yeah, because, again, that affects guys, too. It's the... But Aaron, listen, he's an energizer buddy. Motherfucker gets tired. And I, I... Love to live in a world where I'm double-shifting Artemi Panarin because the more your star players are out there, the better. At the same time, 
Not no. for six games, Greg. Fatigue is real. Like Not you, for six games. You and I get tired. <laughs> I'm tired doing this right now. <laughs> it's to do this podcast for a long time, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And uh, but they can't call anybody up, right? That's like they're they're blocking the. I mean, if they recall. if they put Mott on long term IR, they can call whoever the fuck they want up. Right, but they're not going to do that. They're Why say, wouldn't you? I, Mott, gonna... Mott is here for the playoffs that, more than any other knows. player. That's true. It's kind of we do exactly what he did last year. Yeah, came in, so, got injured, and came came back with the playoffs. Great. It'd be you know, it's a different conversation when you're talking about Ryan Lindgren because Lindgren is such a linchpin for this team. And he's so important to what the Rangers do on a nightly basis. Tyler Mott is very specifically here to do specific things in the playoffs. So why wouldn't I long-term IR Mott just so I could call a body up and play with a full 12? If he's going to miss, if if he's going to miss two weeks, just let him miss three. Are you worried generally about the Rangers forward defensive options in terms of the top nine? Um... We talked no. about it a little later with Vince, but I'm I'm not as worried. But I do get like a little bit. Like I well, know Kane, I, Kane's a liability. I understand that. Um, I mean, T- Kane, Tarasenko, Panarin are all liabilities. As great as they are offensively, um, their best defense is them controlling the puck. I'll give Tarasenko normally, a little bit of a nudge. He's like a thick boy. I'll say he's. I'll say he's. Yeah, okay. well, just because you're a thick boy doesn't mean you're Daniel Vogelback's thick boy. I don't want to play true. first base. That's true. You're right. You can't get to second. Yeah, he did so, one time. Oh. <laughs> no, he scored from first, motherfucker. First of all, that's one of the Show greatest some, plays in sports history. That having the chariots of fire on playing underneath it is my favorite thing in the world. I watch that video <laughs> when I'm having bad moments throughout the week. I go to that. It's nice and saved on my Twitter, and I watch it five times. And all of a sudden, everything in my world makes a whole lot more sense, and everything is a little bit sunnier. Anyway. Um, I the Boston game is what really highlighted it for me. Where like it's really easy to try to blame a defenseman every time a goal is scored, but that really defeats the understanding of the how hockey is played. It, it, forwards don't get a pass because they are called forwards. It's like a center, a power forward, still has to play defense, even if their center is the big body, like Julius Rando is responsible defensively, even if Mitchell Robinson is an elite rim protector. You still have to do some things. And that's how I feel. The th- the first three Bruins goals were because of forwards failing to do what they needed to do defensively. One was Heedle. Um, one, I believe, was Kreider. And I, I, I'm not remembering. I'm not going to try to list all this off the top of my head. But I will say, a big reason why Vincent Trocek is here is to be what Ryan Strom couldn't be defensively. Two-way and, forward that he could not be. Correct. And, and it's it, and the Rangers weren't really asking Strom to be that guy either, but Trocek plays a two-way game that Gallant clearly loves and that has value and has had value in every different stop of his career. It's not that Trocek is playing poorly, but he's really going to have to step his game up, especially if he is between Kane and Panarin, because he's going to have to be an army of one when it comes to doing the little things, doing the dirty things in the corner, being that pest that really fucking pisses you off even when you have the puck. It's going to be a lot of pressure on Trocek. I kind of of expect what we expect when Zibanejad, Tarasenko, and Kreider are out there. At the same time, they're going to be taking the most shifts probably with Lindgren Fox, so I'm almost not as worried about 
what those guys are going to do defensively because I have such high confidence in Lindgren and Fox doing a lot of dirty work to clean up the mess of those three. But with Truba playing how he's playing this year, and as much as we love Miller, it's going to come down to Trocek really needing to step up. I I, it, I know Heedle had a defensive lapse against Boston. I'm not going to hold, hold him accountable. They're, they're still children. They're still learning. And we know those three stepped their game up in the playoffs and they play a really focused two-way style of hockey. So I'm not really concerned about the, the boys to men needing to do what they do, but my eyes are going to be on Truba because he, I'm uh, not Truba, Trocek, because a lot of shit is going to fall on his shoulders, but that's why he was brought in here to, to handle that shit. That, that's why you gave him seven years. That's this why you gave purpose. him seven years. So like, am I, I'm not expecting Patrick Kane to all of a sudden become a Selkie winner. I'm not expecting Artemi Panarin to back check all the time. I'm not he will once in a while. He'll yeah, talk about it. But I, like, I, I know what I'm getting with those guys. And the Rangers made a decision to go out there and, and and go for the goals and try to score five a night, which is great. It's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be exciting. But it also means Vincent Trocek is going to have to play the style of hockey we were expecting him to play, which is not quite what he's had what he's been doing so far this year. Not at all. Uh, and I, I do expect him to kind of take that leap. I don't know why I, I have it, but because he's done it before. Yeah, exactly. Not only has he done he it, he knows before, how to do it in the playoffs. Not only has he done it before, he did it for seven games against the Rangers last year. Like we, we had to watch him on a nightly basis. Where I had to come on this podcast and apologize for having mostly universally nice things to say about Trocheck before that playoff series started. And I felt bad being a fan of his because he was shoving it to us every night. And in the afterwards, we're like, I think he's a dirty player. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I have he confidence he can get there. I, I, I really do. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's been doing it all year when he hasn't. Well, next week, Greg, you're going to be really excited because we're starting the playoffs. Because this week we play the Canadians and the Sabres on Saturday and uh, Thursday, respectively. And then, Gregory, it's what we've all been waiting for. Selection oh, yeah. Sunday. It's rivalry week. Oh. That's right. It's, it's, it's rivalry week because whoever made the schedule is a fucking idiot. That's and true. we have to call it something in order to but justify it. It's rivalry week. So when next time you hear from Lucius Breakaway, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, it's going to be Penguins, well, well, that, Capitals, that's Penguins, not, Penguins. It's also not true. People are going to hear us next Monday before rivalry week starts. Rivalry starts on Sunday versus the Penguins. Yeah, I got to tell you. Um, <laughs> so the Rangers have yet another back-to-back. They have two What is it two more back-to-backs this fucking week. They have a back-to-back. The Sabres at 5 p.m. Uh-huh. And on the next day at 4, so 23 hours yeah, later. Yeah, got to tell you, uh, not just a back-to-back, but you're like, we're going to schedule. what? How could we schedule this game where we can guarantee so few non-Ranger fan eyeballs will be on it? Oh, I know. Let's have it. During Selection, Selection Sunday. Sunday. It's unbelievable. Let's then, let's schedule a hockey game as they are announcing the Nash, the NCAA men's basketball tournament field. I think that's the perfect time to hold a hockey game. The Rangers only have one more back-to-back left after this, according to Google.com. Wow. Good for Google. That's Shout de- out. And that is Devil's Sabres, March 30th and 31st. So... Boy, uh, let's have a oh, back-to-back on uh, opening I lied. Day. There's another one. There's Penguins, uh, Predators, Saturday, Sunday, 8 and 7. God. God. This schedule Well, I mean, the Rangers have good. 19 games in 36 days here. So this, this I guess, checks out. It, but this is what happened last year, too. They, Bro, there was there was a 17-day stretch, Ryan, where the Rangers, like, didn't play. They had a week by before the fucking All-Star break. And then they had, like, three days off after the All-Star break. Couldn't schedule the game then. 
Couldn't do it. Couldn't afford to balance the schedule out. Does Can't be not done. make sense. Um, one other player I do want to talk about. Shout out to Lafreniere in his game this week. He has... Uh, there's a couple of those games a year where Lafreniere kind of looks like, oh yeah, I forgot I have all this talent. And he's a little more frisky than he is usually. Mm. But he's been he's been sort of that way for a couple weeks and it's come to fruition. I know the kid line's been a little bit, or boys to men rather, has been a little bit lacking of recently, but so is the whole team. So I'm not really blaming them at this point in time. No, and it's it's also, is, is it lacking or is it just not uh, uh, three dudes literally NBA Jam style on fire at all time? Like, are, I don't think they're playing poorly. They're just not, they're still... Possessing the puck at a high rate when they are on the ice, they still seem like the most energized line on a nightly basis. Kako has still been one of the most noticeable Rangers because he's just developing this Yager-like obsession with controlling the puck, and I fucking love it. Um, but when they're not, when it feels like they're not scoring every time they're out there, we're just like, are the kids struggling again? It's like, no, they're just, you know, this is just hockey. It's hard to score. It's not that easy. That's why the Rangers went out and got Tarasenko and Kane. They would like it to be easier, but that doesn't mean it is easier. It's not. Um, let's go into some five-star questions, and then we can get to Vince Mercogliano on the show. Um, this is from, uh, let's see, I make sure I have this. Here we go. This is from post-Kane trade deadline. It's from Isbox. Post-Kane trade deadline, do we have the best fourth line in the NHL, and how valuable is that going to be in the playoffs? Part of me thinks, I it's if it's not the best line, it's definitely top five in terms of fourth lines. But you roll three lines in the playoffs a lot. It's not like you're always rolling that fourth line. But Gerard yeah, well, Gallant, yeah, just you got to remember the Rangers roll three lines. The fourth line will be one of them. That's true. Um, With, to that extent, I'll, I'll say this: I don't know if it's the best fourth line in hockey. Again, going back to my my blinkers, I don't know who the fucking um, LA Kings are running out on their fourth line. I know Zach McEwen is there now, but I, I, I don't, this isn't baseball where I can tell you the starting lineup for the San Francisco giants. Like, I don't know what some of these teams are running out on their fourth line. I assume whatever the lightning have going on in their fourth line. It's great. I, I, I have to assume it. It's just the way that they are programmed. I'll say this. This is talent wise, the best, the Rangers 12th, forward has ever been it since we've done this podcast whoever you want to call the rangers 12th forward at full strength whether it's goodrow vc or mott whichever one you want to put last this is the best in terms of talent confidence and ability to move up and down the lineup without one of us having a heart attack the rangers have ever had at this point ever since we've started doing this podcast there is no tanner glass no Cody McLeod, as much as we loved him. No Ryan Reeves. No Dryden Hunt. No Colin Blackwell. The 12th best forward on the Rangers is the most talented 12th forward we have ever had to cover. Period. Uh, it's not even close. Uh, this is from Jay White 18011 What is a reasonable expectation in terms of points for both Kane and Tarasenko? I hate playing so, this game. I, I just... Yeah, I, stop, I'm actually stop. not going to play it either. Well, no, yeah, just... We, we, we had this conversation every time, like, Kako and... When Kako and Lafreniere is like, can we expect 45, 50 points? Stop equating point totals with success. I, like, I need them it, to play well. But I need if, them to show up in the playoffs. If, if Patrick Kane scores zero points but is doing things on a night-to-night basis that helps the New York Rangers win, doing what I want him to do. I don't need him to score 
20 points in the next 20 games in order for me to feel accomplished. Because he could do that and the Rangers could lose every single one of those fucking games. I just, we need to stop equating point totals with success. It's just not one-to-one. It's from Tyson Kuman Moon? No Man, chance you got that. No, right. no chance. Is there an injury to a right, if, if there is an injury to a right winger, who gets called up first? What about an injured left winger? Well, it did happen, and nobody, because the NHL will not let them. Well, uh, does but, he mean, like, if Kane goes down, who moves up in the Ranger lineup? Probably not. It says, who, who's the first to get called up? And I, I imagine it'd be, like, Will Cooley if they could. Uh, yeah, it depends. Like, if it's an emergency, it has to be cheaper than what Cooley makes. It's like, did you, by the way, we haven't mentioned it. You saw who's back in the organization, right? You saw the little trade that Hartford made last week? No. Buddy, Adam Clendenning's back. No, shut up. Yeah! Are you serious? Why would I joke about this? The pizza man himself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Hartford made three moves. Uh, Austin Rushman's gone. Gustav Rydell is gone, which we talked about briefly yeah. With with um Vince later. with Vince, but yeah, no, Clendenning's back. AHL only contract, but that he's back, baby. We, well, we come gotta, on. I mean, come on the show, Adam. <laughs> um, We're gonna have to have him back. Unbelievable. Get the dominoes right. ready, baby. I, I think they'd call up Cooley if they have the option. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I I don't think it. I'll I'll say this. There's a reason why instead of just trading Rydell for future considerations, they targeted Anton Bleed. From Apparently, Rydell had uh, reportedly signed with the SHL next year already as well. So Yeah, well, wouldn't you? You yeah, got brought all the way over to America with the promise that you would be in contention for National Hockey League minutes, and the New York Rangers played you exactly zero times. They literally played a phantom over him at the NHL level for multiple games. <laughs> That's incredible. I'd be pissed off. You think, you think Rydell signed that contract the second LeShizan took the ice in Hartford? Yeah, he saw I would have. Wouldn't you call your agent and be like, okay, I'm out. Yeah, I, immediately. These people are blind. <laughs> uh, like, and what the fuck is this? I got Like, at least Ryan Carpenter went down to Hartford and has light, lit the lamp. He's scoring. But LeShizan, like, I'm sure Rydell took one look at him. It's like, this fucking guy? And he's under contract for two more fucking years? This is from Adam Furlong. What is the forward configuration that Gallant will definitely roll out and will infuriate you? I think it's tough to do, but I bet he could do it somehow. It, yeah, it's VC and Goodrow um, definitely getting moved up. So it's probably one of the kids, like Lafreniere, gets moved down to the fourth line in the playoffs because he makes a mistake, and VC's playing, like, left wing with Kittle and Kako or something no, like that? No, I, th- I, I think you're overthinking this. Uh, again, the Rangers are leading Tampa Bay in an Eastern Conference final game 3-2, and maybe the kids coughed up a turnover to make it 3-2 with 10 minutes left in the third period, all three of them will sit and it'll be the fourth line getting double shifted over them. And they will not see another shift for the rest of that game. Yeah. This is for Brian. Last year, the Rangers got Truba's friends for the playoffs. And this year they got Panarin's friends. Does this prove that, that maybe the real Stanley cup were the friends we made along the way? No, no. <laughs> it means winning, Jake... it, winning over friends. Everybody <laughs> Jacob Truba's being a uh, Jacob Truba did not have a C last year. So Truba had to assert his authority and bring in the guys he thought could win. Truba is now being a true captain and deferring to his teammates. And he asked his best player, what do you think will help you make a deep playoff run for this team? And he's like, I got two guys and one Finnish dude that will do just the trick. It's from Woody Sweats. How are we not talking about WWE NXT star 
Tony D'Angelo. Because I'm done talking about this fucking piece of shit. Like, I, I, we we <laughs> that, did it. We had to how. do it. Yeah, we had to do it for so many years. I don't like. I, I will say at the Flyers game, he was viciously booed in his home stadium. Well, there yeah, were a lot of I, I'm looking forward to the reunion and the next episode drop of Watch Your Tone. Now that Brandon the Muse back there too. Oh Jesus! Uh, number two is why did why did I like Mop better in '64 than '14? '64 is more aesthetically pleasing, I think, because Nintendo '64 was a great console. That's why. Yeah, I also legitimately like, why I've never '14 was always retired as a Met because of Gil Hodges for me. So like, I have no memories of any athlete I love wearing number '14. So that's a <laughs> but it's a number that gets worn in every sport. And I don't have anyone at you know, on the Knicks. I don't have anyone on the Mets. I don't have anyone on the Rangers. Where I was like, man, that number fourteen, that means something to me. And sixty four, like you said, one, it's a fun fucking number, and two, our relationship and our nostalgia from childhood of playing N sixty four all the time. It's just fun to see the number. It's it's, it's like some people love number. seeing sixty nine. I love seeing sixty four. I'm with you. I'm a pro sixty four. Uh, this is from Jets Rangers. This is a good one. So first off, thank you for heckling my twenty three twenty four cap question from last week. It was truly an honor to be told to F off by Greg on air. <laughs> <laughs> the point of the exercise was really to show that Greg, that Heedle can be kept because he keeps saying he can't. Cool. I still don't give it. No, I, I, I'm not saying he can't. Oh, let I'm me finish I don't the question before you tell him to, okay, no, but hold to on. F off again. I, I need, I need a, this is like, I need to answer part of this question, which isn't a question. It feels like a fucking speech. It, quite, no, he just had, this next part is, so here's my new question. Okay. I'm just but, saying, I'm not saying the Rangers can't keep Hito. I'm saying I don't give a fuck right now. <laughs> Between Phil, Laugh, and Key, how would you rank them in order of importance to keep? Back in August, we compared to them how you, how you compare to them now. And by the way, there is no way Drury is letting Phil leave. I think well, back I mean, in DeAndre August, he is still my most important. He's my most important Ranger. And back in August, I would have told you Lafreniere was the most important. But now I think it's... I, I, no, I would have told you he had the highest upside. I don't think he was the most important. Uh, no, yeah, I would have said Lafreniere over Heedle because the Rangers are locked into their top two Cs for the next six, seven years. Now I think it's Keandre, Philip Heedle, Lafreniere. In that order, yeah. I'd agree. Yep. From most important to least important? Yep. Yeah, I. Yeah, yep. Uh, Nick D, does the Miller suspension slash spitting incident affect his contract in terms of desire to extend? Absolutely not. <laughs> what? Zero percent chance. Wait, are you we all know are, Vic- like? Are you? Are you? Would, does this question imply that he spit on the guy so the Rangers shouldn't want to keep him now? No, he's saying like the the front office is fickle. Like they know it was a mistake, man. They're like, yeah, so he is-, is saying is spitting on a player worthy of not resigning him? That that's yeah. that's the tone of the question. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go ahead and uh, watch the tone here, but <laughs> I, I will say. Uh, I, I will just say that the answer is no. Can so, I tell you my favorite spitting story in sports that I think is fucking stupid? Sure, hit me. You know that baseball writers intentionally kept Roberto Alomar out of the Hall of Fame on the first ballot because he once spit in an umpire's face. They intentionally lowered the vote total on him his first year on the ballot to put him. They knew he would get in on the second ballot. But they said his punishment for spitting in the face of an umpire was he will not be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And this is one of the many reasons why I think old white baseball writers are the fucking worst. All right? They are the fucking worst. No disagreement here. Development takes time. Now the deadline is over. Which teams do you fear the most and why? Have you seen the Boston Bruins? Uh, I think that's where I land. Yeah, I, I, I mean... It's, it's not disrespect to either the Devils or the Hurricanes for me to sit here and tell you that I think both of them can be beatable in a seven-game series. 
I don't see a path through Boston that doesn't include someone getting hurt. Like I, I don't see, or um or a miracle. Right. Like a if miracle. Igor if Igor goes superhuman and decides to let in zero goals, I think it's possible. But like Omar is at his absolute apex right now. They still have Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak. They added Bertuzzi, Garnett Hathaway, Dmitry Orlov. Fucking that team is stacked. Yeah, bro. and oh my a Brad Marchand, by the way, Lin- still Lindholm, hanging around there. Still around. Hampus Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy. Like oh that team's God. a fuck. McAvoy is the ninth guy we named. <laughs> that team's a fucking unit. <laughs> like crazy. I, I, I wish I could sit here and tell you this is how the Rangers could beat the Bruins. Going to be a lot of fucking luck for anyone to beat the Bruins. Like it, it's they're the best team in hockey for a reason, with the best record in hockey. I just hope reason. they have to tweet that you. you we, this isn't what we wanted to hear. Tweet after they get swept yeah, in the first round. Like, That's all you got to help. You got to help for. That's it. I, I just. I. I don't. I don't. The, all roads go through Boston. I just. It's remember, not the Leafs. I'll tell you that, buddy. I still remember when the season was starting. People would be like, "You think the Rangers are going to trade for Pasternak?" And I was like, "Fuck Come no! On, the Bruins are going to be." I didn't think they'd be the best team in hockey, but I knew they'd be fine. You didn't think they'd be the number, the first team to get to a hundred points this fast ever, <laughs> <laughs> ever. Yeah, it, they're. Fucking good. Like, Jesus Christ. That's why I've never, over the years, when the Rangers had a field, a competitive hockey team, never have you and I, while recording an episode, be like, all right, we're all going to regroup after this loss that we're going to watch, and then we're going to talk about this team rationally. But after Thursday night's game, you and I were on here like, we're going to get smoked by no, Boston. No, we're going to get lit up. <laughs> it was the first time in history, I think both of us on BSBOT were like, okay, yeah, everybody, we're going to get destroyed on yep. Saturday. Please the don't Rangers panic. season continues next Thursday. Yeah, and I saw some people be like, oh. Rangers went 0-3 against the Bruins this year. That's not a good sign. Uh, a lot of teams went 0-3 yeah, against the I Bruins. I hate losses. It's March 6th. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're the team that scares me most. Yeah, the uh, fucking Bruins. I'll uh, say this, though. It's a point Jesus. we asked Vince very late in the interview, so I'll go into it a little bit more here. Like, honestly, if, if you put Ottawa and Buffalo in the Western Conference. Where would you rank them in terms of teams? I actually love this question. Yeah, I, I, I think they're both top four for me. If they were somehow in the West, they would be. I, I would still only have, I think, Avalanche and Knights ahead of them for sure. And even then, the I, what? I need Jonathan Quick to find. I his guess. Form. I guess my question is this: I think I think the Buffalo Sabers and the Ottawa Senators are not better than the Avalanche or the Knights. I think those are the two teams. I think they're not better than. Yeah. But are we disrespecting the Kings? We're thirty six, twenty and eight. To say that they're better than them, I don't think so. I think I think the Kings. So I think to, they're better than the Wild. The, to me, the Kings are a perfect example of this is what it's like when you have an overloaded schedule against lesser competition. Like I would, if you put the Kings in the East, I don't think they have as many points as the Senators or the or the Sabers. I really don't. Yeah, I think I think you could really make a case that they're the fourth or fifth best team, both of them in the Western Conference. I kind of have to hand it to the Stars a little, but not that much. I, Not that much. The Stars are a good team. It's just like in a seven-game series, I think Ottawa would take them. Yeah, and they also have 13 over, overtime lost points, the Stars. That's crazy. That's a lot. They they know how to lose smartly. That's true. A um, couple more questions here, then we'll get to Vince. Uh, TMQ, if there was a return for Chikrin, how was every team in the NHL not in the running, including the Rangers? Not everybody had cap space. There you go. That's that's the answer. I, I every, did you see the story this week that the the Butchergrass and Weeks are putting out there about expansion teams? Dude, can we do twenty seven minutes on this because it is ridiculous. Why are they, we? I'm all for expansion. Can we find a home for Arizona first before we expand? 
Can we figure out a way to get another Canadian team to a Canadian city that actually deserves it? I, I don't know. I like disrespecting Canada. Okay, but fine. Isn't there a fair compromise here? Arizona goes to Quebec, and then you can do whatever the fuck you want to do with your expansion teams. It's also... Arizona's how playing many, a 5,000-person stadium. Buddy, how many times does Atlanta have to fail before we just accept the fact that Atlanta doesn't want a hockey team? Oh, this time this time it'll be different. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't this work time. for a lot of people, Ryan, but it just Dude, Atlanta has to go to their us. basketball games, and, and that team has been good. No, not this good. year. No, I know, but it's still at least fun to watch yeah, sometimes. Georgia Bulldogs. If the Georgia Bulldogs all of a sudden had a hockey team, they'd go. That's probably true. Um, probably true. That's fucking true. PJ Smith won. Did Dolan have any influence on the Kane trade? No. Yeah, I, I, I've said this before on the pod, and I, I've said it in our Insider channel. I, We don't – listen, I'm not saying we have sources that are super close to James Dolan, but we have some that are pretty close, shockingly. And the, everything we've heard is he is so focused on MSG Sphere – and getting it up, it is so ridiculously over budget. I think that's why we've heard rumblings of him possibly selling stakes in both the, the Knicks and the Rangers because he is in need of fundraising to finish this dream project of his. He is so concerned with the sphere. I'm sure he's happy Patrick Kane is here. I promise you it was not his idea, and he did not get involved. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, this is from Bradley. With quick heading to the Vegas, or heading to Vegas and possibly... For a Vegas Kings first round series, what's funnier? Quick Stonewalls the Kings or LA kills them and Vegas flames out early again? Quick Stonewalls the Kings. I'll watch I'll watch less than one minute of that series. All those games will be on at ten o'clock. I'll wake up the next day, see who won. Yep. Uh Grey Red, this is the final question, I think. Who's worse at names, Ryan or Sam Rosen? It is me. Do you say excuse me when you get one wrong? I don't. Wow. I just keep going. No respect. Boy, there's so many more questions here. Um, we'll just speed speed run. Master Shogun, is the NHL a serious league? No. no, no. Definitely uh, not. Again, with, you, one of their teams plays home games in front of 5,000 fans, and that's because that's just as many seats as they offer. It's from Billy Rats. Oh, the wild card race in the East is actually exciting this year with six or seven teams in the running. So I'm curious, which two teams are you guys betting on making – or which two of the teams are, are you guys betting on to make it into the playoffs this year? Oh, they, they're like the wild card teams. Yeah, I'd uh, say I, I, the Penguins. Pitt Penguins were one. Yeah, and then... I'm going to go Sabres. I think the Senators are the more realistic, fun option. But I I think it's going to be super boring. I think both the Penguins and Islanders will find their way in. This is actually the final question because then we got to move on. Uh, solution 9. Who's the better Kane currently? Patrick, Evander, or Harry? Uh, the answer. The answer here is... Harry's always been the best Kane. I don't know why we don't like, I, I, it's probably because he plays for Tottenham, but like Harry Kane does things that Patrick Kane never did. Harry Kane is a, well, I, Patrick Kane won, won cups. <laughs> yeah, but it's not Harry Kane's fault that Tottenham's not winning. It's Conor McDavid better, worse player than Patrick Kane. No. Yeah. I, I sometimes Ryan, the team you're on matters. I, Harry Kane is a, at his peak, top five player in the world. I don't think Patrick Kane ever was. Fine. Fine. One more question. Dr. Zayris, who's closer to the championship in their respective sports, the Mets or the Rangers? Mets. I, I, easy. Mets don't have the competition that the Rangers do. Yeah. So I actually, my gut reaction was Rangers, but I think the answer actually is Mets. Just because even though... The Mets, the Mets don't have, have to go through a Boston Bruins in order to get to a World Series. The Mets, might, the Mets might be the favorite in the National League. And they have all the power in the world to do whatever they want, kind of. Yeah, yeah there's I, no salary I, cap. 
yeah, I think the Mets. It, but it's 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 close. It's really close. It's it's, it's close because the Rangers are good enough where any roll of the dice you can permutate a hundred different scenarios. And the Rangers. If you told will me win. the Bruins actually rebuilt this year and the Devils never showed up the way they did, I would tell you it's the Rangers. Yeah, well, you know. If, I had a dick, be your uncle. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so to me, it comes down to like we just did a whole thing where what team in the East scares you, and it's so clearly the Bruins. And we said like it will take some weird fluke thing to happen in order to beat the Bruins, and you hope someone does it before the Rangers would even have to play them to give them the best chance of getting there. That team doesn't exist in the National League for the Mets. Like, yes, the Braves are going to be a problem. The Phillies are going to be a problem. The Dodgers will be a problem. I don't think any of those three teams at face value present such a roadblock that the Mets can't overcome that I think the Bruins currently do. So that's why, to me, like it's not saying the Rangers are bad. Again, all Igor has to do is go superhuman, and you can beat any team, and he's totally capable of doing it. And as long as you have that guy, you're never not going to be a contender. The Mets' road is easier. It's just that simple. So to me, it's the, it's the Mets. And again... I think I am more confident the Mets will have staying power because the Mets don't have to decide which one of the kids they want to pay. Steve Cohen will just say, I will pay everybody. I will pay and everybody. And make you generationally wealthy. Yeah. Um, we said we'd only do 30. We did 45. Look, the Blue Shirts breakaway away. Uh, let's get to Vince Bergliano, Aloha.com. Uh, we'll go to him now. Transition. Hey, yo. All right, I'm here to tell you about today's sponsor of Blue Shirts Breakaway, and that is... TickPick, our dear friends at TickPick. Did you know that last week I tweeted out that the Rangers have traded for Patrick Kane and to celebrate that, TickPick and I are giving away two free tickets to a Rangers game? That's right. Sounds too good to be true, but it is. Go back to my Twitter, find that, retweet it, and I'm going to be picking out a winner sometime on Wednesday afternoon. So if you want a chance, go ahead and retweet that. That's all it takes. But if you want to use TickPick, super easy. Go to TickPick, get the app. All you got to do is go search for your favorite game or event. It shows you the grades and the scores right there. And guess what? Hashtag no fees. That's the price. You go to checkout, it's the same price. Not like other ticket apps. So when you use TickPick, use promo code BLUESHIRTS. It's good for $15 off any first-time purchase in the app. So it's super easy. Use promo code BLUESHIRTS. Go to TickPick. Tell them BLUESHIRTS Breakaway sent you. And you'll be able to go to your nearest and newest Ranger game with this lineup, which will hopefully be as insane as we all hope it will be. Thanks again to Tick Pick. Back to the show. Hey, we're back. We promised it. We're here with Vincent Mercogliano of Loha.com. Loha.com slash Rangers. Did I miss one? Tell me, Vince. What did I do? Is that is that what it is? You're close. Slash sports slash Rangers. Ah, so close. Okay, yeah. speaking of the Rangers, why does the NHL hate the Rangers and not allow them to use the CBA correctly? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my first reaction was, this is pretty fishy. I don't understand why they didn't let them use the emergency recall. But I did talk to a couple people about it. I checked in with the pretty good league source. And the explanation, the more I thought about it, it, it did make sense. If you look at it, I'm not trying to advocate for the league because I think they make a lot of questionable decisions. But if you look at the position the Rangers that were in, They knew that Ryan Lindgren was injured and they knew that Keandre Miller was suspended before they made the trade for Patrick Kane. So in the league's eyes, they had the ability to fill a full 20-man roster by using regular recalls prior to making the trade. Instead of using the cap space they had at the time to 
complete a full roster, they made their own choice to make the trade that would eat up the rest of their cap space and leave them without the room to dress a full 20 guys. So basically the league said, you guys had a choice. You you opted for Kane, and therefore we're not going to help you out. Okay, well, while we're shitting on the league, let's just get it all out once, once, once rip the Band-Aid off. So you're telling me Keandre Miller accidentally spits on another human. That's three games. But Austin Watson concusses Tyler Mott, and the league says maybe we shouldn't even call the penalty? Yeah, that that one I don't have an explanation for. I think that was pretty egregious. Okay, Agreed. I just I wanted the three of us to complain about the league once. Now we can move <laughs> forward. We can also say the Arizona Coyotes are a Ponzi scheme. All right, we're done. We're done complaining about the league. So Vince, from your perspective, Ryan and I obviously did like seven hours of commercial-free Rangers trade deadline coverage last Monday. From your perspective, going back to Tarasenko up until the Kane announcement, how would you view the trade deadline from your glasses? It feels like a while ago already. I I know I usually do this trade deadline show with you. I think I've done it two or three years now in a row, but it feels like old news now. But I, I guess from my perspective, look, I'll first start off by saying this because I I know that a lot of people have have called me on it. I was wrong. I'll raise my hand and say it. I thought it was going to be one of Tarasenko or Kane. I never in a million years thought that the Rangers would get both of those guys. I, I don't think, honestly, the Rangers thought that because I had, this isn't just my opinion. I had done my homework on what their trade deadline plans were going to be. And I really don't think that the Rangers planned on getting both guys or thought that, that was a realistic possibility. I'm, I know I've talked to you guys about this as well. They had very clearly budgeted for enough cap space to fit one of those guys, and plus a few pieces along the edges, a left-handed defenseman. We know they wanted to address the bottom six as well. And you guys, I know, follow their roster movement really closely all season long. And they carried 23 guys unnecessarily for extended stretches at a time. Whereas, had they been planning all along to go get Kane and Tarasenko, clearly they wouldn't have had that excessive roster number for weeks at a time earlier in the season. Chris Drury is a meticulous planner. And my belief and my understanding is that they had a certain number in mind that they wanted to get to by the trade deadline, and they were comfortable with the pace that they were on. Now what happened behind the scenes, it, it certainly seems like, and this is certainly what I've heard, is that they made the decision to go with Tarasenko at the time. There was a variety of reasons for that. One of them being the, the ability to get Mikola. I know they were really high on that, and they looked at left-handed defensemen as their number two need. I also heard at the time that the price that they paid to get Tarasenko and Mikola was less than what the Blackhawks were asking for a month ago when they asked about Kane. And as you guys will surely remember at the time, it was a pretty prominent conversation around the league that teams had concerns with Patrick Kane's hip His production at the time was way down, and I know for a fact that the Rangers were one of the teams that was worried about that. So all of those factors went into them saying, you know what, we're going to go the Tarasenko direction. They definitely looked hard at Kane, but they made the decision to go with Tarasenko. And at that point, I believe that they were intending to move on. And you look at their roster after that. 
right after the All-Star break, they have Will Cooley up and they get their roster up to 23 guys for no good reason, really, except that they wanted to give Cooley a taste. But had they been thinking, okay, we might get Patrick Kane in a few weeks, there's no way they would have been carrying 23 coming out of the All-Star break. So basically what it seems like happened is Kane increasingly over time made it clear there's only one team I'm waving my no trade clause for, and that's the Rangers. And as the Rangers started catching wind to that and, and kind of wrapping their heads around that more, they came to realize, listen, if this guy is essentially saying I'm only going to one place, which we saw Claude Giroux do the year before where he said I'm only going to Florida, well, all the leverage in their mind then shifted to Chris Drury. And so it went from a point where I heard the Blackhawks initially were inquiring about Lafreniere and Kako and Heedle and obviously Brennan Othman and obviously their remaining first round pick in this upcoming draft. And the Rangers didn't want to go there for Kane, certainly. But all of a sudden they look at it like, well, we can get him for a fraction of the cost now. We have all the leverage. And Drury drew his line in the sand around those guys. He clearly wasn't going to touch Othman. He really didn't want to touch any of his top prospects and he didn't have to. And he didn't want to touch that remaining 2023 first round pick, which he didn't end up having to. And so once he said, okay, we can get the deal done without doing that, I think internally the Rangers said, how do we say no to this? And the answer was, we're not going to say no to this. So they pivoted on the fly, clearly. And it's hard not to like a trade deadline where you come away with two bona fide all-star point-producing forwards. Now, obviously, they're both a little up there in age, and Kane's production was down, but I do know that it seemed to really push the deal over the finish line when Kane exploded in those last four games with the Blackhawks for 10 points. I think that showed everybody that when this guy is motivated, whether you have concerns with the hip or not, that he can still be productive. And I think that that, especially from the top on down, I'm sure the owner was paying attention as well, made everybody think, how do we not go for this guy right now? And they end up giving up the conditional second round pick. I had initially heard that the condition they were discussing was if the Rangers made the cup final, but maybe Chicago pushed back on that and they lowered it to if the Rangers made the Eastern Conference final. But it ends up being a conditional pick, although that 2023 pick, the first round pick, is protected. If it ends up going to a first round pick because the Rangers make the conference final, it gets pushed back to either 2024 or 2025, which I think made it easier for them to stomach. And listen, you end up coming away with those two guys. You end up coming up away with Mikola and you end up bringing Tyler Mott back, who's a guy that we know the Rangers wanted to bring back this summer but couldn't for cap reasons. It's hard not to love the deadline. The question is now, how do they mesh? On paper, it looks great, but they basically have 20 games left to figure out how all these pieces fit and let them build some chemistry. And as you guys know, the Eastern Conference is an absolute meat grinder. So will these deals, will we look back on them and say, wow, they worked out great? I mean, that is very much to be determined. But as far as the name recognition, the star power, the talent that they were able to bring in, I don't see, and and especially, again, not touching any of their top prospects and keeping their best pick in the upcoming draft, it's hard not to like what they did. It's 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 impossible not to love it, to be honest. And and that their first round draft pick, um, I saw some complaining here and there, which is the internet. I mean, who knows? Um, of just saying, oh, maybe we did give away too much when we had all the leverage. Uh, listen, it's you don't get chances like this very often. But then, because you took this chance, you also have to play um, down on your roster. I, I can't remember a time or a team that played down two men for six games in a row. And there's there's not a lot. There's a lot of concern about from fan the fan base saying, okay, well now that we've done that, we look like not so great because we're getting our asses kicked every single night, with the exception of Philadelphia in overtime. 
But how many practices have they had where they've had all their guys and they've had Patrick Kane? Is it one? Is it zero? Zero. I, I, I believe zero. it's zero. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday will be the first one. And, right. and listen, I mean, I don't have concerns about how they looked in the first two games with Kane. I, they haven't had a practice together. You got to give it some more time. So I'm not hitting the panic button by any stretch Me either. on that. I still think there's a very good chance that with all the talent they've assembled that this ends up looking really good at some point in the near future. My concern, I think, more so than than how they've looked the last couple games, which, you know, you just listed off the reasons that, that they probably didn't look great. My concern more is you have no option now down the stretch but to lean heavily on your guys. They're only going to have a 21-man roster. So even when Lindgren is back healthy and Miller is back from suspension, you only have 12 forwards on the roster. So all of 12 of those forwards have to play every game down the stretch. There's really no alternative unless you're going to go 11-7 and for a game, which I guess they could. But they don't have the ability now to think about resting guys. And if you remember... Last season, the last week or so, they sat their top guys that they felt like needed a breather for a game or two. A lot of their key players got a break. You were able to scale back on their minutes. You were able to give them a game or two off. We saw them do that with Panarin, Kreider, Mika. I mean, I remember a handful of guys that did it last season. I think those are some of the guys that did it for sure. Um, So now you're in a situation where all these defensemen have logged huge minutes in the last five, six games. And they're not going to get a break going down the stretch. And then you're going to roll right into an incredibly competitive Eastern Conference playoffs. And we saw last year what a grind that is. I really believe that by the time the Rangers got to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Lightning, having played seven games in the previous two rounds, that they were gassed. They were on their last legs. They just did not have enough left in the gas tank to push through against a high-quality team like Tampa. So if anything comes out of this, the limited roster flexibility that they have and the, the pretty much zero cap space that they have left so they can't recall anybody unless they get the NHL's blessing on an emergency situ, uh, situation, you know, my concern is are you going to have to run these guys into the ground and once if you do get into the second, third round of the playoffs – you know, how tired are these guys going to be? Because I think that's a legitimate concern for me now. Vince, I, I got two counterpoints for you. Um, the first, yes, the Rangers were able to rest some guys at the end of last year, but I think the three of us would say they looked sloppy as hell, disorganized, and if Louis Domingue wasn't the goalie in Pittsburgh, it's possible the Rangers would have gotten bounced in the first round. And then, so was the rest beneficial? And then two... If we're looking at the forward lines, outside of the children on the boys-to-men line, the Rangers don't have established, well-run lines currently. We have lines we think will work, but lines that necessarily need time to gel. So, these last 20 games, couldn't the argument be made that this is not the time for the Rangers to be resting certain guys? Because, quite frankly... Nine of the 12 forwards, while we think we know where they're going to go, they need time to gel and to actually be ready to play in the playoffs. Yeah, no, now is not the time to be resting them, but the last week of March, the first week of April, you'd like to have the option then. And, you know, that goes for the forwards. But for the defensemen right now, all these guys have been playing over 25 minutes a night for how many games in a row? I'm telling you, they were gassed. They were feeling it. At the end of this stretch that they just had, they really, really needed these days off. 
it's incredibly rare during the season that you'll see this team get two days in a row off outside of like the all-star break and Christmas. They just gave them Monday and uh, Sunday and Monday off because they felt like they really needed a breather. So listen, I'm not saying that's enough reason to not make the moves like the lack of roster flexibility versus getting Kane and Tarasenko and all these guys. I think you're always going to want to get the talent when you can get it. I'm just saying my concern is how worn down are they going to be over the course of what they hope will be a long playoff run? Because I really believe looking back on last year that by the time they got to Tampa, they were running on fumes. They ran out of steam in game three. I mean, yes. it was, it was yes. so clear. They yeah. owned game one and two. And then it all caught up to them in game three. It's just the lightning. We're like, okay, I guess we'll, sw- we'll flip the switch. And then that was it. And that's I know history. load management like isn't a thing in hockey. I think that's a little antiquated. I know, listen, these guys are incredibly tough. I give them a ton of credit for wanting to play 82 games and play as much as they can. But realistically, to give yourself the best chance to go on a run in the playoffs where you're going to have to play 20 plus games, maybe 30 games, close to if you want to win a Stanley Cup, I guess the max could be 28. You you need to have somewhat fresh legs. And so I, I do think that there is something to preparing yourself for that properly and not looking at it like it makes you any less of a competitor if you take a game he, here off or there. And, and they, I'm not saying they should do that throughout the regular season. I'm saying late March, early April, when your playoff spot is locked up, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing to scale back on minutes and maybe pick a game or two where your top guys get a rest and the Rangers aren't going to be able to do that. See, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm the opposite. I think the time you need to utilize the scheduled year advantage in order to get guys into a rhythm and fresh is like, who cares if Adam Fox doesn't play a late November game in Winnipeg? Like you have you have ways to build in early in the season where you're easing guys into the schedule, and that way when they hit mid March, early April, they are they're 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 raring to go. They're good. They're fresh. They they've you've saved the miles early to cash those miles late and that I, 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 we agree. We're just disagreeing on the time in which on the calendar yeah. you do it. Because to me, I just, I think back to that penguin series and I just, the Rangers looked bad for the first four games against the penguins. I'm not putting that solely on the fact that they essentially took the first two weeks of April off because they needed to. But I, to me, it's just like your lines are so discombobulated right now because you have so many, new faces, and then you add in the fact that the last two weeks they've been playing short of forward, and for the most part, short two defenders. Like, to me, this is the time you need to play all these guys just so they have familiarity and and chemistry with their new teammates, whereas, you know, earlier in the season, if if Lieber Hayek played 10 straight games, I wouldn't have cried. If Will Cooley was getting an extended look, I wouldn't have been upset. And this leads to my next question pretty, pretty cleanly here, Vince, because... While I think we were all focused on the Canes and the Tarasenkos and the Mikolas at the deadline, were you as surprised as I was that Gustav Rydell just left? Like, he's gone. They traded him without playing a single game with the New York Rangers. Yeah, I was a little bit. I I, I think uh, the guy they brought in, I'm going to mispronounce his last name. I feel like Ryan I, th- I right believe you're, you're in the right place. I think yeah. it's Bleed. Yeah. I, he, listen, they are very aware that their, for, I hate using this term over and over again, but their lack of grit 
is, is kind of a thing now. They've gone heavy in the skill direction. And I think they just want to have options if they feel like they need to add a little toughness, a little defense, th- those kind of get under your skin qualities that they have someone that maybe they can reach back and, and pull out of the minors to do that. So I think that's what that move was really about because they don't have Reeves anymore. They don't have Blay anymore. They don't have some of those guys that they felt like were, were bringing the physical aspects to their bottom six. Dry, even Dryden Hunt you could throw into that category. So they don't have those guys that they had last year. So I, I think that that was probably the motivation behind that. And I will say this, just Greg, on your point. I I agree with you. If you could pick spots throughout the season, I think that that would be a better strategic move. So to, to your point, when you get close to the playoffs, you're not worrying about guys getting rusty if they're not playing. But I just know the mindset of these guys and these teams, and that is nothing is clinched until it's clinched. And they look at those early season games as critical because you hear them talk about we want two points, we want two points. They want to rack up as many points as they can. They're not really going to be comfortable, in my opinion, at least resting guys or scaling back on minutes until they're clinched. And so I think that's why it's less likely you would see that early in the season, which we didn't see at all last year. But at the end of the season is when they did it. I, I don't disagree with you, though. Yeah, I, I mean, we're just it, at some point we end up just talking about hockey culture and the two of us are just going to agree that it's load management will never happen. Like, it's, it's just not. But I, I, there's, and whether, you know, I, I think the NBA may have gone too far with load management sometimes. Yeah, yeah but, I agree. I agree. But, you know, like people in baseball aren't playing 162 games and I'm not upset if Pete Alonso takes a day off in June. Yeah. But the you, Rangers right you now, want to be as well positioned as possible to go on the run. You want to be able to get through those playoffs when it is, I mean, brutal. I was so tired in those playoffs, and I didn't play a single game. I was just traveling and writing. We were miserable, and we didn't leave our house. Yeah, I could only imagine how those players. But I talked to some of them about it. I know that they that they were feeling pretty run down, I and mean, they wouldn't really want to say that publicly. But it, it's obvious. Well, the Raiders right now sit at 63 games played with 79 points. And the Penguins, who I believe are probably their biggest threat because the Islanders still have uh, 65 games of 72, have 71 points. The Rangers probably have to know that they cannot win the division. The Carolina Hurricanes have 90 points at this point. The Devils have 88, so it's likely that they're not going to catch the Devils. Really, and I think the goal for the next whatever amount of games, which was at 21 at this point, I have no idea, um, is to hold off the Penguins to not be in that wild card spot. But for the most part, I, we talked about low management. I could see... Vince, even though they don't quote unquote rest guys, guys taking nights off, whereas like they're not skating nearly as hard. Like I, I could totally expect like maybe three to four real stinkers uh, from this New York Ranger team in the next 20 games. But it's nothing. It's not an alarming moment. Like they should be working on things that matter, like the power play, um, which is really struggling right now with Mika Spinajad actually somehow going to the bumper spot. And I'm really curious to see how Gerard Glenn handles the power play starting the practice tomorrow. Well, let me let me put my conspiracy hat on, Vince, and I'll ask you directly. Did Keandre Miller know he needed a three-game break, and that's why he spit on Drew Doughty? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not do going not there. That. Do not start that. Do not there. It's for earlier in the show. <laughs> I'm just saying. All but I'm yeah, saying so the, is I'm just saying. I, but what, I'll say this on the lines in the power play. I Listen, Gerard Glant has juggled lines more this season than I've seen any coach do it in any of the four seasons that I've covered this team. So nothing would surprise me on that front. But... I do get the distinct impression that the lines that that we've seen the last two games, I mean, minus Mott, obviously, in Boston, 
is what they would like to preferably give an opportunity to and try to roll with. I really think that Artemi Panarin's strong preference and Patrick Kane's strong preference is for them to play together. And I think that Gerard Gallant, I mean, he said, when I asked him the question in Philly after the trade, he goes, any fool could put these lines together. It's pretty obvious what I'm going to do with those. So I, I do think that that is the direction they're leaning strongly as far as the rest of the season and the playoffs, which almost by default, leaves Tarasenko with Mika and Kreider. I thought that line for the first handful of games they played together was bad. I mean, you look at some of the some of the numbers as far as shots against versus what they're generating. It was really lopsided in a handful of those games. But Tarasenko, to me, last few games... Now, I, I didn't watch the Boston game very closely. I caught a couple of little clips of it, but I didn't watch that very closely because I had some family stuff going on. But the, the previous games that I've watched, I think Tarasenko has been coming on and showing you some signs of life. And we know that he loves the kid line together. And we know that he wants a fourth line that is defensively sound and he can throw out there in some matchup situations, which is where you get Mott, Goudreau, and VC. So I would be kind of surprised if I show up at practice on Tuesday and those aren't the lines. And I think that they want to give them an extended opportunity to succeed. If it's not working after another week or two, of course he can pivot and maybe he'll even pivot Tuesday. And I'll look silly for saying this, but just from what I've heard and from talking to Gallant, the strong impression that I got is that these are the lines that he wants to see. If they can succeed, these are what are his quote unquote perfect lines. So the, the note ESPN was, harping on throughout the game. And it's something Ryan and I talked about on our OT last week when Kane arrived, um, just reacting to the the two midweek games there, was the construction. We know the five guys that are going to be on the top power play unit. That's great. It was more so that it seemed like Mika Zibanejad became the guy that got bumped from his office. And ESPN was saying, here's this power play merchant. Why are you moving him? And it's to a similar point that I was saying. It's just like, since what, 2018, Mika Zibanejad has the second most power play goals in the National Hockey League. So why would you move Mika Zibanejad in order to accommodate Patrick Kane? I just, walk me through why Mika Zibanejad is the guy in the bumper, and is that something we need to expect uh, come Thursday when they're playing Montreal? Well, I think the reason is they have their five that they want personnel-wise out there. So now they're trying to make the pieces fit. And you guys will probably remember this, but Mika in the past played quite a bit in the bumper and had success there. I think that they believe he has a better chance of succeeding in that role than either Panarin or Kane. You want usually a bigger body, a guy that can handle a little bit more traffic. And I think what you've seen them try to do, and I noticed this in practice even prior to the Kane trade, is when Mika does play that bumper position, he'll bounce out a lot of times. He'll he'll drift toward that left circle to set himself up for the one-timer. We've seen him start a possession in the bumper, but then drift out to the left and it still end up with a one-timer. I remember Kreider set him up for one recently when he did that. So going back, my first season on the beat, which was the 1920 season, which I believe is Mika's career high in goals, even though it was a COVID-shortened season. He played quite a bit in the bumper that season. So he's the only guy of those three options, because obviously you know Kreider's at the net front, you know Fox is at the point. Between him, Panarin, and Kane, he's the only guy that really has experience there. And I think they want to see if they can make it work. And I think they're trying to focus on, instead of the stagnant, nature that we saw in the power play earlier in the season where everybody kind of had their spot and just stayed there. 
some more movement. And so they want Mika and Panarin kind of switching spots within the course of a power play to give the defense a different look, create some confusion, and give Mika the opportunity for those one-timers. So I don't view it as some egregious thing that he's not in the left circle. I honestly think that it became pretty obvious earlier in the season when Mika was just plastered in that one spot, the defenses and goalies were cheating that way. And even though Mika was still able to get some past them because his shot is just so good from that position, their power play went into an extended slump, as you guys, I'm sure, remember. Still kind and, of there now, Vince. Like, they had yeah, five oh, yeah, power play yeah. to they, it out. They need it to click. And maybe they'll move the pieces around. That would not surprise me if we see that on Tuesday. But, I mean... Can you see Panarin playing the bumper? Can you see no. Kane playing the bumper? Like, that doesn't seem to me like a great idea either. So, I don't know. I think it's one of those things we got to give it a little time now that Kane's there. Interesting. Uh, moving on to the other topic of concern of uh, Rangers Twitter and of Rangers fandom is Igor Shosturkin, which is a, a player that uh, had as a historical goal of the year just last year. He's been a tremendous asset for the Rangers for many years now. But this year has had... I don't want to say shaky starts. He's looked very good at some at some times, but the last like couple weeks, ever since the All Star break, he seems a little bit off. Has there? I, I know, I know he knows he's struggling. I know the Rangers know he's struggling, but also the the defensive impact in front of Shesterkin has not been um, the best or accurate at this point in time. Even the forwards are having problems getting back. How do you expect the Rangers to kind of adjust to not having spectacular Shesterkin moving forward? I was having this conversation with a source last week. It's going to be really interesting for the Rangers now because obviously by making the Kane and Tarasenko moves, they have loaded up on skill and offensive-minded players, and they very much sacrifice defense. Like, you look at that top nine right now. To me, Mika is a strong two-way center, but how many strong defensive forwards are there left in that top nine? You know, I think we feel like Kako's made strides there. Trocek had a reputation as a pretty good defensive player when he came here. I don't know if he's been great, although I think he's been better recently, but there's not a whole lot of really good defensive forwards. And if you've listened to Gerard Gallant after some of these recent games, a lot of times people are saying, hey, the defense looks shaky tonight, and he points to the forwards. So clearly he's trying to get the message through that he doesn't think the forwards have been committed enough defensively. And there's been games, and this could be going back to the tired legs conversation we've had, but there have been games where I'm watching, and it just seems like guys aren't back-checking very hard. Like, you're going to need more of that all-in attitude to really have success in the playoffs. The decor is gassed. I think we feel like when they're healthy, it's a pretty solid decor. But they've also shown the tendencies throughout this season, last season, to have moments where they make mistakes. Their zone exits have been shaky pretty much all season. Clearing the puck out of their own zone is an ongoing issue for this team. Turnovers through the neutral zone is an ongoing issue for this team. I had a source say to me, and I wrote this last week after the Kane trade, Imagine playing a team that's opportunistic and fast, like Jersey. If you're coughing the puck up in the neutral zone, that's going to be some really ugly odd man rushes going the other way. And what does that do? All this stuff that we're talking about, these defensive concerns, that puts the pressure on Igor. And so for the Rangers to have success in the playoffs, number one, Kane, Tarasenko, all these guys are going to have to click. They're going to have to find ways to put up, you know, pretty good scoring numbers and, and be a productive team offensively. They're going to need to try to clean up some of those turnovers and defensive issues that we're talking about. But 
if you're going to be selling out for offense, you have to expect some mistakes that put the pressure on the defense, specifically put the pressure on Igor. And for the Rangers to really go on the run that a lot of people are hoping them to go on, Igor has to be, if not at the very top of his game, close to it. So that is a, a real thing. Like, I'm not trying to pile on him. I don't think he's had a terrible season. I think he's had an okay season. He's kind of, if you look at a lot of statistical categories, you know, close to the top 10, maybe between number 10 and 15, but that's not where you're obviously used to him being. And if he's not one of the better goalies in the league, how far can this team go? That's a question that I think people are asking. So he knows it. He's putting so much pressure on himself recently. It's been obvious that he kind of is wearing it on his sleeve, that he's not happy with how he's been playing, I think pretty much all season, but especially recently. So he's bounced back from that stuff before. We saw it in the first round against Pittsburgh last year where he wasn't great early on in that series, and then he bounced back in a strong way. So I think he has it in him. But getting him as close to the top of his game as they can is really important for this team, given, I think, how much we expect them to maybe put pressure on him and the defense to 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 put him in a position where if he doesn't make a big save for them, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. There were, there were a couple times over the last 10 days, I would say where like the closest I've ever come to being like an old hockey man. I, I, I get it when our, our tummy Panarin is trying to feed Patrick Kane and maybe it's a little forced and he's going cross ice and he's doing, as he would say, dumb shit at the blue line. I like all that, but it was when Ben Harper started doing it that I felt something inside of me break. And I was like, okay, come on, what's happening here? What are we doing? Yeah, the, the, I'm telling you, the, the the clearing the puck out of their own zone has been an issue for a large portion of this season. It's kind of it's kind of troubling. Like they've got to get cleaner zone exits than what they've had so far th- this season. Because otherwise, these turnovers they've had games where the turnovers are just really lopsided against them, and that puts all the pressure on Igor. So they're going to need him to make some big saves for sure, but they're also going to need to clean some of this stuff up. Vince, I can't think of I mean, We do have to end up here. Any, any, Greg, any final questions for Vince? Um, Anthony Volpe, does he make the opening day roster there, Oh, Vince? great question. Jason Dominguez, your thoughts? Uh, I saw that homer from Dominguez on uh, Sunday night. I like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of don't think so. Knowing the Yankees, I feel like they're going to go no with the veteran guys and then maybe <laughs> think about calling them up later. But we'll see. Volpe, Volpe looks like a player, man. That, that's pretty exciting for Yankees. He'll be really fans. good. Yeah. Really good, Vince. Why don't you go ahead and plug everything you do? I'm sure everybody knows where to find you if they're listening to this, but it's important to do anyway. Yeah, you guys know where to find me. You find me on Twitter. I'm sure you guys will tag me on Twitter. Uh, Lowhut.com/slash/sports/slash/rangers. Yeah, yeah. Definitely gonna be running around like a madman for the next couple months. So it should be exciting. I, I think the Rangers have put themselves in a position where things are going to be so interesting and fun to watch down the stretch. Uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs to me look like such a bear. So, oh, you know, Jer- Jersey, New York is going to be hell. Yeah, hell if it's even that, I mean, look at Jersey. They've been gaining ground on Carolina, but if they play Carolina, that's another really tough series. If they have to play any teams in the Atlantic, that looks like a really tough series. So, I mean, these playoffs are just going to be nuts. Meanwhile, the West, nice little uh, candy walk for the Avalanche. I mean, the West is Weenie Hut Jr. That's what the West is. (laughs) But, like, I keep thinking, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. If the Avalanche make it through, because I still feel like, you know, on paper, they're the the biggest threat. If they make it through and they don't have to work all that hard to get there and whichever team comes out of the East is probably going to be limping, you feel like, you know, they might have a chance to win this thing again. But the, the top six teams in the East right now just look 
it wouldn't well, surprise anybody if any of those six teams win the conference. I, I think I have the most doubts about Jersey just because we haven't seen it from them yet, and I still don't totally trust the goaltending. But really, any of those six teams, if they win the conference, would you be shocked? No. No, zero. but I mean, just I, I know we're trying to go here, but Vince, like, think about two teams from the East that likely or probably won't make the playoffs. Like, would Buffalo and Ottawa be the fourth and fifth best team in the West right now? I think they would. Possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't love anybody out West, except to me still, again, Colorado, when they're on their game and they're healthy, they're not a team I would want to see in a seven-game series. They might still be the best team in the league in a scenario like that, even though they haven't looked like it for a lot of this season. But every other team in the West I look at and I'm like, uh, I would probably take one of the East teams, oh, those top six East teams over anybody there. Not even close. Vince, I have to get running here, but it's always a pleasure to speak with you, bud. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Hey, it's the end of the show. That means I'm going to thank all the NHL Insider Club members for making this show possible. And one of you psychos did it. I didn't think you would, but here we are. There's a hundred of you for the first time ever. A hundred names at the end of a Blue Shirts breakaway. Didn't think I'd ever be here, to be honest with you. Whew. All right, here we go. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Curtulo, Adam Linder, Adam Keach. You know, side note. Sometimes I say the same names differently every week. And I know I do that. Alex Flynn, Alex Gardner, Alexander, Amber Coesberger, Andrew Rauner, Anthony Montoro. Oh, boy. Goodness gracious. Anthony Montoro. That, that's the worst that Montoro I've ever... That's the worst I've ever said that. Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Olsen, Bill Rattel, Billy Huff, Brandon Lacos, Brandon Magnum, Breck Ranger, Brett McGinnis, Brian Doyle, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Hyrucruz, CJ Stelway, and Conry Pedemich, Daniel Delaney, Daniel Dezen, David Aaron, and David Siegel, Dennis Deitz, Darian, Derek Stagg, Good Gartner Cup, Garrett Rainis, Garrett, Garrett, Gretzky McFly, Gretzky McFly, okay, Hayek, Waivers hasn't happened before, Ryan Rock Miracle, I still haven't watched Miracle, yes, I know, I am sorry, sorry, Handle, Harrison Hasco, Hippie 89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Rusher, Jack. Bagley? I don't know. So this is how bad my dyslexia is. Jack, your name is super, it's super easy. It's Bagley. But did I almost call you Bagel? I did. That's not your nickname. I'm not saying it, but I did almost call you Bagel. James Masker, Jerry Marquez, Jason Zabransky, Jay Citron, 40, J.D., Jean-Jacques Franquez, Jean-Jean, Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, Johnny Shea, Johnny Thundercock, Jordan, Josh Kessenbaum, Josh Mazarkin, Justin Friedman, Christopher Florida, Christoph Berg. Okay, here we go. I've been ready. I'm waiting for this. I literally went to a game with, I know it's, it's Leshik, Leshik Gronowski. That's how you say the name. It's Leshik. Goes also as Lester. We had a great time at the Flyers game. Shout out to Lester. Um, and also shout out to Tarasenko for winning overtime. Libras Kayak, Lou Giordano, Lucas K, Mark Popic. Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kai, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu. Man, wow, that's a, I totally never said it last week. Mike Poster, Posternak? Not Posternak. Mike Smith, Nate Hanafy, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, Opie, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodrev, PJ Sparrow, Pearl of the Six Gamer, Randy Tester, Sa- Samo, Scottish Grant, Sean Taggart, Stigble Box, Swingart, Ta. Oh, I'm the worst. Seamus? Seamus? So, oh no, Ryan, what are we doing? The Drop BK, Tommy Sinclairy, Tom TD. Oh, did you guys change your names? What happened? Tom TD. Uh, No, that can't be right. TD. Wow, I'm having a brain freeze. I'm, I'm having a mental breakdown. 
Tom's Tommy T. Tommy Tedeschi. Tedeschi. Got it. Okay, Tommy O'Neill, Tori Fernandez, Tristan Wells, Vinny Bronco, Vinny A. Will Spectre, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Maybe the most embarrassing time I've ever read the names, but we got through it. Uh, enjoy the little mini break from Rangers because we are going full steam ahead until the playoffs end. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for Vince coming on the show today. Love to have Vince on. Next week, Molly Walker. All the fun. Reach out with all your questions. Reach out on Twitter. We're giving away two tickets on TickPick this week, so very fun. And we'll be back later this week with BSBOT either Thursday night or Friday. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Love you.